with the latest on the corporate front, all the market trends, expert opinion, and sound business advice. It is your unique window into the business world, direct from the heart of China. Hello and welcome to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Coming up, we will have half an hour of business news and analysis. Our stories include China's foreign trade sees stable growth in quarter one. Why does China need to build a unified domestic market? And U.S. inflation rises at its fastest pace since 1981. And now let's begin with our top story. Official data shows that China's foreign trade volume reached 9.4 trillion yuan in the first quarter of this year. This is up by 10.7 percent year on year. From January to March, exports rose by 13.4 percent, while imports gained 7.5 percent. And in the same period of time, the actual use of foreign direct investment rose by 25 percent. And meanwhile, China is taking further steps to accelerate a unified domestic. Domestic market. So, what do all this mean for China's economy? For more on this, joined us on the line now are Dr. Wang Dan, Chief Economist of Hansen Bank China; Liu Baocheng, Professor with the University of International Business and Economics; and also Aina Tangen, Senior Fellow at the Taihe Institute. So, first, Aina,、uh, the stable growth of both、uh, China's imports and exports in the first quarter. What's your take on how China was able to maintain the stable growth in foreign trade despite the geopolitical tensions and also the COVID-19 supply chain challenges? Well,、uh, keep in mind that the, the first quarter encompasses three months, and we really haven't seen the kind of、uh, fallout that's going to happen from uh, it, particularly. Uh, Covid and also what's happening in Ukraine. These are both issues that are going to affect uh, not only uh, the way that uh, China uh, produces, but also、uh, the international markets.、Mm. So, Dan, so what stood out to you in the latest numbers of the foreign trade of China in the quarter one? Uh, the export is doing surprisingly well,、uh, which suggests that overseas demand is still pretty robust.、Uh, especially that the U.S. economy still seems to be overheated, and、um, and for import, that's a totally different story.、Uh, it's growing by a much slower pace, and if it's in dollar term, it's actually contracting. Uh, given how high the commodity prices are,、uh, this is suggesting that domestic demand is actually very weak. And meanwhile, Ina, the actual use of、uh, the foreign direct investment rose by twenty-five percent year on year in quarter one. So, what's your take on the growing inflows, and what do you think are the factors、uh, contributing to the continuing expansion of the FDI into China? Well, it's all about comparison. I mean,、uh, right now China is the best alternative in a very, very difficult world.、Uh, as as uh, Dan Dan uh, pointed out, what you have in the U.S. is an overheated market that's being artificially stimulated、uh, by the stimulus program,、uh, putting money into the economy,、uh, and you know there's and, and also there's this issue about. You know, there's a lot of demand be doing it. I mean, there's trade is up with Europe, it's up with the U.S. But if you start examining the trade on a minute basis, what you'll see is that a lot of this trade is European companies who are buying from China component pieces, putting them together, and then selling them to the U.S. So the U.S. is the bright spot in the market. But how long can that continue once the、uh, stimulus kind of、uh, starts to fade? And this is the the question that's、uh, is out there. Overall. 
because of COVID-19, because of the, uh, the, the situation in Ukraine, global demand is going to be down. We see in Sri Lanka, uh, did you see have un- civil unrest? Uh, uh, people are actually in the streets. They don't have the enough necessary uh, energy that they need to run the, you know, the, the social economy. They don't, you know, having cities actually operate, and they're also uh, facing uh, issues with food. And this is not isolated. You're going to see this in many, many other countries because of the effects of, you know, short-sighted. Uh, uh, political game playing. And so, Dan, what do you expect for the FDI into China this year? Um, in the first quarter, it's, pro- it's quite strong. But uh, I think from the second quarter on, there might be some difficulties uh, for further capital inflow. For one thing, the major central banks in the Western world are in this process of raising interest rates. And that means some of the capital will fly back to those markets. And for China, there's high uncertainty uh, related with COVID control. And very likely that the economic slowdown will be quite significant in the first half of the year. So I wouldn't uh, be too surprised if the FDI start to decline uh, in the second half. And also on China's economy, China is taking further steps to uh, accelerate a unified domestic market. A guideline has been issued on breaking the local protection to smoothing the flow of economic circulation. And the guideline covers energy, technology, property right protection, and also the market regulation to fix the persistent problems in market-oriented reform. So, Bao Cheng, why is this unified national market is so important to China? And what kind of problem is the government hoping to solve with the new guidelines? China's economy has uh, entered into a more sophisticated stage where uh, local protectionism and divergence in the policy dealing with the business environment will have to be streamlined uh, to accommodate a uh, scale and scope economy. So uh, this is something that must be done. As a matter of fact, if you see all the developed economies, they uh, start to structure the market-driven economy through the antitrust laws and regulations dealing with the local protectionism. Okay, China is is there to continue to improve its uh, business environment uh, where uh, the freer flow of uh, economic resources can really boost further productivity and uh, hence to prove to be more competitive in the global marketplace and attract more foreign investment in China. So then tell us your thoughts about this proposal for the unified national market. What exactly does it mean? Uh, when the unified uh, market proposal came out, first came out, the market has a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, some people interpret it as a planned economy because it seems like China is going to unify everything, uh, impose the same standard across the board uh, and across regions. Um, but I do think it is quite important for China to find a new model to develop its economy. Uh, some of the hurdles right now uh, would include the trade barriers, uh, the administrative barriers between different provinces or even different cities. And uh, they, there is a need to lower transaction costs and improve the economic security. Uh, so when we look at China's economic engine right now, it is still depending on the so-called the external circulation, the overseas market. But we can't rely on that forever. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it has to turn back to domestic market. 
Mm, and well done, letting the market play decisive role, uh, create a rule-based system, and leveling the、uh, playing field. These are very important, of course, the、uh, guiding principles. But specifically, what are the new initiatives that we can expect from the new guidelines?、Uh, There are many categories of the initiatives,、uh, and、uh, we can see that there is an effort、uh, trying to、uh, make the execution、um, uh, by the same standard across different regions.、Uh, for example, previously, when foreign companies、uh, as well as domestic companies、uh, have、uh, the intellectual property、uh, lawsuit in different cities, they usually will get different results. And this proposal uh, uh, specifically said,、um, under the same legislation, they're trying to impose the same kind of、uh, execution process in different regions, and that's quite important to lower the legal cost. And then there's also a lot of effort trying to improve the flow of production factors, so-called,、uh, including uh, talents, uh, data,、uh, capital. And now there is essentially not much hurdle at all for talents、uh, flow within、uh, the Chinese border,、uh, with the exception of、um, uh, getting a local hukou in Beijing and Shanghai and Shenzhen. Other places,、uh, the second tier city, third tier city,、uh, there is no restriction at all for people to settle down.、Um, mm. But for data flow, there are still some barriers between different platforms and different、uh, provinces. And that's、uh, going to be a new direction for China to integrate all those、uh, different platforms of data and uh, uh, to form an effective big database.、Mm-hmm. And so, Bao Cheng, do you see this has been a task for a long time and now only being realized, or this is under certain urgency of the、uh, international environment changes as well as the domestic urgencies?、Uh, it is not being realized. It's beginning to.、Uh Address such a problem, we do not really see the outcome yet. Uh, well, well, there are、uh, two outstanding issues that need to be addressed to assure the market that we are moving on the track of、uh, further opening of the domestic market.、Uh, one is that uh, uh, how we can really shape the same type of living、uh, level playing fields instead of unified control. Uh, because for、uh, so many years we have different market players,、uh, the state-owned enterprise, foreign investment enterprise, and、uh, private enterprise, and some.、Uh, so、uh, when they do not really enjoy equal、uh, status and equal access to、uh, banking service, to、uh, government subsidies and procurement policies, and this is not going to. Uh, happen、uh, very positively, and the other is the uh, judicial uh, and also enforcement issue. Because if uh, there are complaints, the, you do not really rely on、uh, only the、uh, higher authority or bureaucrats to address such、uh, sort of problem. For example, if、uh, a certain province or a certain local town、uh, obstructs the、uh, Uh, the flow of、uh, economic resources, investments, and they offer uh, uh, discriminative policies. So,、uh, you know, do you really、uh, are there to complain with the higher、uh, administrative authority, or do you resort to the、uh, court case? So, this is something that、uh, needs to be seen.、Uh, without these two, you know, the equal、uh, equality of、uh, market players and also the、uh, 
tight enforcement of law, uh, we are not really sure uh, the actual consequence and outcome out of this one. And so, Aina, so why do you think does China need to build a unified domestic market? Well, China faces an uh, situation where global demand is uncertain, and the only thing that they can do and control is the, the domestic situation. So you expect to see a lot of stimulus. I expect to see, uh, you know, efficiency. That is going to be it. When you don't have growth, the only way to compete is to be more efficient, to lower your costs, to make uh, not only your internal situation better, but to also offer uh, competitive goods on the international market. So this is. You know, in in a simple way, exactly what China is aiming at.、Mm. Well, we're speaking with Ina Tengen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute, and Wang Dan, chief economist of Hansen Bank China. Also, Liu Baocheng, professor with the University of International Business and Economics. And after short break, we'll take a look at U.S. inflation. Stay with us. I am Alka Acharya. I teach at the Jawaharlal Nehru University in India. Today has、uh, organized its programs and、uh, its stress on、uh, bringing in a lot of views、uh, from all over. It is an extremely good platform for、uh, information and analysis, and I wish it all success in the future. You are listening to Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. The U.S. inflation rose at its fastest pace since December 1981. Official data shows that consumer prices climbed to 8.5 percent in March as ongoing geopolitical tensions, high energy and food prices. Drive up living expenses.、Uh, meanwhile, in other parts of the world, the Spain inflation rate surged to 9.8 percent, UK 7 percent, and Germany 7.3 percent. So, Ina, first of all, the U.S. inflation rising at its fastest pace. But what are the main reasons for such a high inflation? Well, at the moment, it, it, it rose to 8.5 percent, which is an increase of seven,、uh, from 7.9 percent last month. Th- this is very damaging.、Uh, a lot of people are blaming it on energy, but the energy issue is really related to U.S. actions in、uh, the, with the Ukrainian situation、uh, vis-a-vis Russia. So, I mean, to a certain extent, this is self-imposed.、Uh, <laughs> Kind of、uh, damage that the U.S. is doing it to to itself, but food prices worldwide are on the increase. This helps、uh, U.S. farmers in terms of their exports,、uh, but it is going to hurt consumers overall as they, when you know, already they're going to the supermarkets and they're experiencing、uh, very big increases, not only in food and energy. And the、mm-hmm. difference is that these are essentials; you cannot do without them. You cannot. If you don't have energy, you cannot run your cities and your economy. If you don't have food, you die.、Mm-hmm. So this is a very, very different、uh, magnitude of, of uh, issues. Mm. So then, as Ina mentioned, energy is a big contributor to the U.S. inflation. But are you expecting the energy prices remain high in the coming few months? 
Uh, it does look like energy is the main culprit for the current situation. Uh, the surging gasoline prices account for about half of the U.S. inflation. Um, but it does look like the global oil market has overshot in mm. response to the Ukraine war. And it's pretty much priced in at this point. In the coming weeks, oil prices will likely to go down. And on top of that, the global demand is dropping. Uh, with a slowdown and expectation of uh, especially a difficult situation in China, uh, the futures market has already shown this declining trend for oil prices. The concern about actually a possible collapse in the oil price is rising. Mm -hmm. And then the high food prices also is another contributor. But why is the U.S. experiencing the food price inflation despite being one of the largest producers of the agricultural products? Uh, well, the U.S. is a major agricultural producer and a major exporter. What it's experiencing is mostly the secondary effect from the international food market. Uh, there is a shortage in the international market in some of the feedstuff, including corn, cereal, uh, and wheat. Uh, those things are uh, largely produced by uh, Ukraine, Russia, uh, Canada, and a few other Latin American countries. But with the loss in Ukraine and uh, Russia, it's impossible for another country or another combination of countries to take their place. And the U.S. and the European market are suffering from just the general food price in inflation globally. Mm. And Aina, so for U.S. inflation, how much higher could the U.S. inflation go? It seems like, uh, you know, the structural challenges are still there or... Could the 8.5% in March be a turning point? No, I don't think we've, we've hit the, the height. I mean, we could go up to about 10% before it settles back down. Uh, I don't see, uh, yeah, hopefully, I, I don't see you know, huge things, but I, I think around 8% by the end of the year is, is, is reasonable. Uh, the difficulty there is that when you start looking at GDP growth and inflation, yeah, inflation will, you know, be more than two and a half times what the growth is. And that's where the real danger is, because that means that your average consumers are, are actually going to be having a decrease in their living standards because their, their, their wages will not rise at the, at the rate of inflation. Even if they go up, they're not going to max it, mm -hmm. uh, match it. So as a result, they're going to have uh, poor living conditions. And this is going to have political knock-on effects. It's going to affect demand. And this is the real danger. Uh, that we see from this inflationary spiral. Now, remember, food, uh, Russia is not going to export less food. They have, uh, you know, excess grain. They can sell it to the countries who are not participating in this uh, uh, sanctions. Uh, the question is, how do they get paid? They're working around that. So that's okay. Oil, also okay. They can sell it to the countries that will want to buy it. They might sell it at a discount. That could serve to lower international oil prices. But when you start talking about gas, there is no solution. Mm -hmm. uh, not now. It's going to take many, many years because you cannot, uh, piped gas is not the same as LNG, liquefied natural gas. And in order to liquefy it, you need a whole bunch of processes uh, that are not necessary when you have piped gas. So that is going to be the key uh, indicator inflation. The other one is Ukraine. Ukraine is not going to be able to produce the food. They were not able to uh, harvest effectively their winter wheat, which was actually a good crop this year, and they're going to miss the spring planting season. So mm -hmm. this is going to be a gap, and that's going to drive inflation 
as it goes up. There's nothing you can do fiscally or monetary to change that. Mm. But Dan, so how do you think the Federal Reserve will read into these、uh, largest or latest inflation numbers? How difficult is the balancing act? The market has a slightly different view over this issue.、Uh, many economists, including myself, think this is going to be a turning point. Probably, we're looking at、um, a, one of the highest points of inflation in the U.S. history in the past forty years. And with the energy price being expected to come down in the coming weeks, and the economy is going back to normal in the U.S.、Uh, throughout the、uh, the rest of the year, and people will consume more services rather than goods, and that means the goods inflation, consumer goods inflation, will also go down. So, what market is worried the most about is the Federal Reserve might be doing too much. They may not even need to hike、uh, four or six times of the interest rate, and the short-term inflation right now is high. But the three-year expected inflation in the U.S. is very low, and the labor market is really tight. So let's just hope the Federal Reserve won't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Let's hope they won't overdo it. But some economists expect that、uh, there will be two fifty basis points hikes in May and in June. So, Bao Cheng, do you agree with this view? And given the speed at which the Federal Reserve may hike the rates, how big an impact will that have on the、uh, financial stability of emerging and developing countries? Well, the world is still very much dependent on the、uh, flow of the U.S. dollars and. Uh, the uh, interest hike will also mean a、uh, stamping of the uh, emerging market uh, economy. And uh, uh, right now, the the broad notion is that、uh, you know supply and demand issue, as uh, you know, uh, uh, to our friends have been talking about. But the uh, uh, fundamental ones, the productivity is not there to match the inflation rate. So even if you、uh, deal with monetary policy. Uh, that doesn't really uh, work uh, to change the fundamental picture,、mm. and so the the key is how uh, uh, each of the country can really boost their productivity by addressing the、uh, COVID, and in the meantime to reduce the confidence of the consumers. So right now the、uh, global energy price is uh, uh, still experiencing a roller cycle、uh, type of uh, uh, movement.、Uh, The world has been talking,、uh, you know,、uh, by reflection,、uh, too early about,、uh, you know, the tough、uh, attitude towards climate change, and there's a postmodern sentiment. And now, you know, people、uh, come to the reality: okay, we got to, re-、uh, we still have to rely on more on the fossil-based energy, and uh, the uh, renewable energy is not there to、uh, play a、uh, important role. So.、Uh, You know, un- until actually the global energy uh, uh, structure is stabilized, we we continue to experience a jittery in the uh, marketplace, and uh, uh, I think the、uh, U.S. Fed is also rather hesitant, and、uh, they really want to see what can be developed uh, uh, for productivity before they really、uh, uh, hash down、uh, those tough measures for. Interest rate hike, and the same applies to uh, the uh, central bank in、uh, in Europe.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, and also, you know, one big uncertainty lies how the Ukraine conflict 
is going to evolve to disturb the global marketplace, uh, not only you know in terms of the finance, but also in the geopolitical structure. Mm. And so, then in other parts of the world, Spain's inflation rate surged to nine point eight percent, UK seven percent. So, how do you see the global monetary policy to tackle the inflation issue, and why the ECB policy unchanged? Uh, the ECB is also worried about a recession. There's always a uh, tricky balance between unemployment and, and inflation. Uh, and it looks like with the sanctions going on for Russia, um, the European market will have a hard time to keep the inflation down uh, while providing enough jobs. So they, of course, now look look like they're priorities uh, they're prioritizing uh, the economic growth. Uh, because the consumer market has only started to recover, um, and in the next in next few months, though, I think the ECB will have to take actions uh, if the inflation is getting out of control, like what was going on in the U.S. in the past three four months. Then there will be more political and social unrest, uh, and that's going to be a even more difficult situation to resolve. Mm, so, Anna. So, how do you see the global, you know, policies to tackle the inflation issue? Well, I, I think they're disastrous. I mean, there was an opportunity at the G20 to do something on a collective basis, and they punted. Uh, right now, because of the ideological differences, because of COVID, because of uh, the Ukraine situation, and its follow-on effects, uh, not in terms of inflation, but the uh, you know, the higher prices and things like that for people who cannot afford it. We're looking at a time that is going to be very, very uh, dark. And I, I, I don't like to say this, but the recession is a certainty. The real question is whether we're heading into a depression. And this is one of the issues that uh, we're going to have to confront. Uh, unfortunately, it should be done on a global basis, um, but it's not being So we've been speaking with Anna Tangen, senior fellow at the Taihe Institute, and Wang Dan, chief economist of Hansen Bank China. Also, Liu Baocheng, professor with the University of International Business and Economics. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Biz Today. I'm Zhao Yang in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening.